Insight and Awareness Spiritual Explorer. Soul Intuitive, Emotional and Spiritual Mentor and Award-winning Author, Lorraine Nylon. Welcome, Explorers. Today we've got a special guest and his name is Ken Honda and he's a Japanese best-selling self-development author and his books have surpassed 7 million copies. So we have really got someone that knows about self-development and his special skill is to explain our relationship with money. His latest book is called Happy Money, The Japanese Art of Making Peace with Your Money. I am so privileged to have you here, Ken. Um, Could you tell us what the difference is between happy money and unhappy money? Hello, Lorraine, and and I'm so happy to be here. So thank you so much for inviting me. I just wanted to appreciate you uh, for doing this together with me. I have been uh, writing books on happiness and money for the past 20 years. And when I first realized about the difference uh, between happy money and unhappy money is when I was seven or eight years old, my father was a successful tax accountant and he invited guests from his office on holidays to my home. So uh, I, uh, my uh, his first son, could get to see his clients. So I saw uh, very happy clients and also with a lot of money and also not happy clients with a lot of money and clients without any money and happiness. <laughs> so as a child, you know, as a t- nine or uh, eight or nine year old boy, I really saw uh, what money makes and how ma- uh, money makes a man. Uh, so the difference between happy money and unhappy money is happy money makes you smile when you receive it. And when you pay the bills, uh, it makes them very happy. Whereas, unfortunately, 95% of us are in the flow of unhappy money, which means that when we receive money, we feel squeezed, like, oh, I want, I wish I could get more. Mm. And when we spend uh, money, when we pay bills, we feel so frustrated. Why is this uh, electricity bill so ridiculous, the food and the gas? So this unhappy money makes you feel very small. So uh, it's the same money, but it's how we relate to money. Yeah, because money, you know, like equates to me is also survival. So, you know, like when you feel fearful of your survival, it sort of creates this tension around everything that's connected to that. Yes. Yeah, and the more stressed and the more tension that we build about our survival, the, the more we have, I suppose, unhappy money. Yes, and uh, the the funny thing is, even if you make enough money, um, you must be comfortable if um, you know you're making a uh, hundred thousand dollars or uh, even more. But for them, since the cost of uh, keeping up, uh, the cost of uh, things are higher for them. Uh, they are used to going to better restaurants, buying uh, more expensive clothes. And all that. So uh, their uh, cost is much more high. At the end of every month, they're as broke as the other people who are making less money. So the stress of money uh, catches up with you. 
Yeah, and I think people forget that when they're watching, you know, like because people compare themselves to others and then they look at their, what they perceive someone's lifestyle might be. And as you get older, what you realise is some people are living on credit and they actually don't own anything or their their bills per month are equivalent to what they're earning. So someone with less money but more money um, consciousness can actually be living a higher lifestyle because they're not living in that stress. Yeah. So unless you change the um, way you uh, relate to money, you you keep being miserable <laughs> for the rest <laughs> of your life uh, because uh, uh, more money doesn't necessarily solve uh, all the money-related stress. What do you see as people's biggest problem in relation to their their money relationship? how they relate to their money. Yeah, I think it's a emotional stress around money uh, because uh, when we spend money, we feel like we want to um, make more and spend more. It's almost like uh, um, this hunger, uh, hungry monster, hungry caterpillar is inside. And then we uh, that uh, little monster uh, craves more food, you know, more, more something. Uh, better iPhones and better cars, uh, bigger houses. So uh, if you just listen to your hunger or thirst in you, uh, you keep you become a slave to money. You have to make mm-hmm. more money. You have to spend more money. But uh, you don't even question: Do I really need this? You know, I think we have more than enough clothes, more than enough shoes, more than enough everything. You know, uh, uh, if you live in a um, uh, industrialist country, and I haven't met anybody who has only two shoes, mm. or like only two shirts, or uh, one pair of glasses. Right? People have multiple pairs of glasses and at least uh, four or five underwears, maybe more. I'm <laughs> intend to collect all the different colors. Right? <laughs> we have enough clothes for the rest of our lives, but. Uh, but when the new season comes in, there's this, you know, big com- campaign on internet or on the store. And then a lot of us get hooked uh, mm. with the new things. So unless we uh, put a stop on how much we need to make money and how much we need to spend, uh, we are constantly driven by this, by this greed and also hunger. And uh, the, all the marketing companies spend billions of dollars researching on how uh, they trick us into spending more. Yeah, they're very good at what they do. Yes, that's yeah. why we are more. That's why we are bigger. <laughs> that's why we are yeah. in a bigger debt. And that's why we are so confused about life. And what what do you think's missing in us that is making us fall for this trap? I think uh, the concept of um, feeling enough mm. is not in our civilization yet. So uh, when we just look at our life uh, and then uh, can we feel, wow, I have more than enough. I have plenty. And then you feel so appreciative of what you have. You know, it doesn't really matter how much money you have or much, how, much, how, how, my, how many things you possess. It's just a feeling, I have so much. I'm, 
I'm just flooded with so many gifts or material things and also uh, emotional support. So, yeah, yeah, that, it's inter it's interesting. I was with someone on the weekend, and they paid. They're in a shop, and they paid. We were going on a little adventure, and she and she paid, and she turned around to me and she said, "That money there is going to go and help the staff so that they get their wages, and it'll help the company that we're now um, planning this weekend with, and so that they can offer more things for people." And she said, "When I." When I pay for things, I look to see what the benefit is for other people after I pass that money to them. And I, and I thought that was a lovely way to look at money is that I'm sharing this, this resource that I have and I can see that it's going to benefit these other people. And we've kind of lost that sharing, caring nature because um, I thought that was a rarity of standing next to someone that actually thought that way. It's very, very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So when we're looking at our relationship with money, what causes us to have so much tension around it? Is, is it our childhood? Is it what we've been indoctrinated to believe? What do you think mm -hmm. is causing us to have so much tension around our money? Um, so there is this thing called a game called Money Game. And uh, we didn't know what you're supposed to play. And we were even uh, asked if we were interested in playing the game or not. But uh, mm -hmm. I think after about five or six, um, five or six years old, we are forced to play the game. You know, when we, uh, I used to do, uh, do a volunteer work for uh, my daughter's kindergarten many years ago. And then I asked uh, one of the kids, uh, what are you going to get for Christmas? You know, Japanese people are not Christian, but we celebrate Christmas. Okay. So he said, I'm not going to get any. And then, oh, really? And then and why is that? And he said, uh, there are two reasons. One, we are Buddhist. <laughs> and then <laughs> two, uh, we are poor. And I was so shocked. I mean, this little tiny boy said, I'm poor. And the, who said that? And he said, my mom. So... If you uh, are born and brought up in a, a, a place that your your parents are fighting for money, uh, fighting about money, and all the money related to stress, uh, ruin the peace of your family, and then you can feel this, uh, you can feel peaceful. Hmm. But after about five or six, you kind of start to realize that if your uh, family is poor or wealthy or comfortable or a little bit above average, you know, you kind of start judging people, judging your friends, judging your parents' car or the size of the house. And then after you become nine or 10, you are already in the money game. Yeah. And, and after 20 or 22, we are forced into this money game without a will. And I don't remember signing, I'm gonna, you know, play money game, but, Oh, we have to play the game, like it yeah. or not. Yeah, that's true. And it's definitely a way that we scale each other's value. You mm -hmm. know, we look at someone and we go, oh, they're more wealthier than mm -hmm. me. And then we kind of put ourselves in a pecking order. But the money doesn't actually explain who that person is. Yes, yes. And the tricky thing is even if you're winning, 
on the third, <clears throat> you could be losing all on the sixth. Yeah. So you may be successful in your thirties, but you could lose everything in your fifties. You, you could be successful in your sixties, but you could lose everything on the, uh, in their, in your seventies. You've seen, you know, your grandfather or your uncle or neighbor does stupid things and they, you know, you've seen the, all the horror stories. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, we uh, tend to hold on to the money we have. And uh, so as much as we need to, uh, we, we feel like I, we need to buy something, we need to hold on to enough asset so we don't have to worry about it. But how much is enough? Is $100,000 or euros enough or 500,000 or 1 million or 2 million, you know, depending on your lifestyle. But the more money you make, as I said, the, the more costly your life will become. So uh, like 20 years ago, you thought uh, half a million will be enough. And then if you become a little wealthier, like two million may not be enough. So yeah. that's why you need to make more money. So the, the story goes on. Yeah. I always think money can put you on the chase, that you're always chasing the next, the next, the next. So you don't actually really enjoy where you're at. So it takes you out of the present. And, and that thirst, the, the hungry caterpillar, has yeah. you chasing for the next thing and the next thing. So you kind of devalue when you do achieve something. Yes. And my uh, mentors uh, just joked about this, you know, uh, the more successful you are, the faster things you want to follow. You know, in, in your teens, like all the guys want to follow uh, 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 girls who are running, you know, a certain speed. And then when you make more money, you want to drive uh, uh, fast cars. And then <laughs> and then after that, you want to buy uh, uh, helicopters. And then after that, you want to you want to just buy a private jet. And then after that, you want to go to space. You know, that's yeah, why yeah, that's true. Like, <laughs> all the people who own more want faster things, yeah. which is kind of funny. And and with your mentors, what did you learn the most from them about money? So uh, my mentor, Wahei Takeda, um, who used to be called Warren Buffett of Japan, he was once a shareholder, major shareholder of more than 100 public companies in Japan, which is very big. He said, uh, knowing enough is the most important thing. So he, he always said, I have more than enough. I can't believe how much I have. I don't even calculate how much, how much I have. But uh, what I know is like, I can live uh, for the rest of my life. So that's why I'm sharing my wealth, is he used to say. So he was very generous with his money. He donated uh, so much money to charity. Uh, uh, he just supported artists and musicians and uh, writers and any uh, philanthropist project that he could he could think of. So if you feel like you have more than enough, and he used to feel that way when he didn't have any money. That is a key. Ah, there's a key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to feel you have enough even when you're not sure if you do. Yes, because yeah. us, imagine if you're watching this or listening to this, you must have access to internet and you must have electricity. And, and if you uh, have a smartphone, that means you have uh, certain money to pay for it. So... If you can start counting your blessing and counting your 
uh, abundance, um, you feel different. But instead, we feel like, oh, he got this and she got this. I don't, you know. So uh, I think the uh, unhappy, uh, the shortcut to unhappiness is <clears throat> watch your YouTube or Facebook and then look at how your friends are doing. You know, <clears throat> they show the best of their life. Yeah. So if you feel, if you want to feel miserable, go on Facebook and just look at all, <laughs> all your your friends. Because it's true. Because you're looking at an image. You know, you're not looking at a life. You're looking at an image. Yeah. And then, and then you you're you're perceiving it in a certain way, and it's going to tap into your emotional reaction to that image. And, yeah. So yeah. Please don't compare uh, yourself with others because that is a shortcut to unhappiness. So just satisfy with yourself. Yeah, I think that's a big key in life right across the board. Don't, you know, acknowledge your own uniqueness and give value to living authentically your way mm -hmm. and, and, let it, and be celebrating everybody else having the ability to do the same. But as soon as you start comparing, and we've become a real numbers game, you know, number of followers, number of money in the bank, number of, you know, assets. So we, we, we calculate our worth a lot by the numbers that we see in front of us, but they don't represent really who we are. Yes, exactly. So if you can just uh, find other criteria uh, for your happiness and abundance, um, you can find, you can be uh, happy in two seconds. Yeah. So what kind of criteria do you use for your happiness? I always start counting my happiness when I feel unhappy. Okay. So, uh, and not, uh, you should not count your accomplish accomplishments, what I have done in my work and all that, that could lead, that could mislead you into unhappiness. So uh, happiness is a, a state of being. So if you can just remember some good memories from your childhood uh, or something that happened to you in the past for the past week or somebody said something about you, which is very sweet, um, just anything that uplifts you. So uh, that's why I'm, uh, I'm telling people we, we should surround ourselves with generous, kind and happy people because they tend to react in a positive way. And then they will say uh, more nice, nice things about you. So instead of just counting how much money you have, if uh, you just um, listen to what, you, what all your friends have to say, I think it really uh, gives you a boost to your happiness. Yeah. And, and to be a good friend, we should let our friends know how much we do value them and how much we enjoy their company as well yes and also the, the other key is to do what you really love if you're not doing what you love uh you're not living your life uh you just um, do some kind of work to bring food on the table which is okay but not great so if you can at least enjoy 10 percent of your work or 20 percent of your work uh, that brings certain enjoyment and you would be super lucky if you are um, able to do uh, more than 70% of what you do is what you enjoy. And ideally, if 
all the things you do is uh, what, exc what excites you the most, you're in heaven. You don't need to die to go there. <laughs> That's true. It's true. <clears throat> I actually really enjoy what I do. And so, mm -hmm. and so, and that feeds you, I always say it feeds your soul, you know, like, so, and a lot of people, I, you know, some of my clientele is actually people looking for their, I call it their soul purpose. What is, you know, a lot of people are confused about what is going to create a sense of fulfillment within them. Mm -hmm. And, and I, you know, I often explain to them, well, sometimes it's the, the journey to finding that that you're going to have all these experiences and what you don't realize is that you are building a foundation underneath you that that by the time you're experiencing something that you really love you know the difference between this is okay to I love this because we you know we we get stuck sometimes not knowing what we really enjoy Yes, uh, Lorraine, you're so you're so right, and uh, um, so it's that's why uh, finding what you love is the most important thing, and we should all make it a, our priority, especially yeah. when we are younger. And uh, uh, those things could change, yeah, uh, from your twenties to forties. So you have to always reevaluate your life, and then make sure that you do uh, what you love. And how did you find you liked explaining the value of money to people? What was your so, journey? Since I was 20, um, when I look back, uh, a lot of people asked me about money, you know, because people thought um, I had a special education from my father um, for many years. Um, so they asked me, like, Ken, how should I invest? Ken, what do you think I should do? you think I should buy a car? Do you think I should do this and all that? So uh, without just uh, becoming a consultant, I was already counseling a lot of people around money. And also later on, after I um, have uh, this position of uh, giving advice to uh, business owners, they always ask me, uh, you know, tax issues are like f the first five or 10 minutes. And then when they sign it, uh, the, sign the papers, they always wanted uh, us to talk about the family issues around money. And later on, it became my uh, forte. But uh, people loved talking about family issues with me. Mm -hmm. And that's why I ended up uh, doing a podcast, which hit uh, 52 million downloads, almost like half the population of Japan have <laughs> listened to my podcast because people love listening to other people's uh, financial lives, <clears throat> very uh, realistic ones. So I think uh, that's how I became an expert. And also I love sharing uh, my answers because we get stuck <clears throat> almost at identical places. You know, it's like climbing up the mountains. Uh, there are like five different dangerous spots. You know, you have to watch out because a lot of people fall or just uh, injure your ankle because... That's what people do. So, so, um, so yeah. what are the five? If you could sum up the five dangerous spots that we get stuck on. <laughs> you know, for example, uh, there are only two money problems: we make too little, or we spend too much. Yeah. You know, for example, if you just know the very, very basic principle, that would be the first, you know, uh, 
uh, dangerous spot. And the second one is if you want, if you're making more money, you feel the need to spend more. You feel like I'm eligible for spending more because mm. I make more money. That is a dangerous second spot, right? Yeah. yeah the third spot would be <clears throat> you lose uh, yourself when you make more money and when you make less money. Either way, it's nothing to do with your self-worth. So uh, uh, after uh, you hit your 20, uh, late 20s, you begin to <clears throat> uh, feel happy or not happy around money issues. So those things are something uh, that you should consider. And also maybe uh, the fourth would be uh, your money and your family or your couple. Unless you live alone, you have to somehow manage money with other family members. Yeah. And they, usually have, they usually have different um, money ideas. You know, uh, for example, husband and wife or husband and husband. Uh, one uh, person says, we should go to a party. The other one, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost so much money. We should not go. So there's always the saver and spender, this st struggle that uh, you have to solve that issue. And the last one is the money game will never end. And so you have to know, uh, even if you retire, the other kind of money game will start. So uh, un uh, until you you pass away on your deathbed, the money follows you. So you have to know uh, you're in the money game. So uh, you have to play it well. Uh, you can say I'm not playing, but that means uh, you're losing. You know, if you're not in the in a butter box, uh, you're you're you you lose automatically, right? Yeah. So uh, you cannot stay indifferent in this money game. Yeah, that's a good point because some people do. You know, like they they get that I can see people get stuck there. Or, and and the other thing I can see too is that people have an illusion around money, mm -hmm. where they go, "I'll just put myself into so much debt, but you know, next year I'll earn more money, and I'll cover it then." But that often doesn't occur. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that so their percept their their belief and their reality is in two different places. So that that creates an illusion that ends up you know, illusions end up falling apart. So I, I see that a lot with people as well. So I was always taught um, whatever your money is, make that your lifestyle. When you get more money, you can change your lifestyle but never go beyond where you're at because that way that you, you don't put that extra stress on yourself and you can hold that space quite easily Where whereas the world sort of moved a different direction and said, no, 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 you can you can go in as far as you can go and then you can, you know, and then we can take it off you later on. That's mm -hmm. what I see, mm. you know, that we have this a, a different mentality around man, money now to what we used to have. Yes, and also it, it depends on individual. Um, so that is what's tricky about money. Uh, if you... Yeah. Uh, If you're born and brought up in the same household, your brothers and sisters could be totally different people. True. You know, I talk about money personality types. Uh, there are spenders, um, money makers, and gamblers, and, and warriors, right? So uh, we, we are different. And the tragedy and comedy is that the different 
totally different types of uh, money types, they are attracted and they get married. You know, that is, that causes a lot of problems. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. It's always funny too. And I talk to thousands of people all the time and I bring uh, a couple on my stage and in front of 2,000 people, these couples argue, you know, that's what they love about it. So because, the, uh, uh, you know, a, a moneymaker tends to uh, marry with a spender, you yeah. know, uh, it doesn't really matter if it's female or male. Uh, say moneymaker loves moneymaking, right? But they're, they're not interested in spending money because they, they, they get high when they make more money. So they, uh, they tend to get attracted to spenders because they are usually attractive. They know how to enjoy. So uh, they love spending money, but they need the money. So they, if, if they can find uh, a partner who can, you know, supply money, that's good. Win-win, right? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so at the end of a relationship, it's perfect. You know, a lot of fireworks, expensive dinners and exotic vacations. But after a few years, this moneymaker starts thinking like, hmm, oh, my God, you know, if at the rate of uh, he his or her spending, I don't think I, I can just keep any money. And the, the other one th- thinks like, I thought uh, we can enjoy life, but he all he does or all she does is just business. I'm bored. So, yeah. you know, their marriage fails. So unless you understand how money influences you, you're going to lose your life. So you have to really watch it. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I think it's definitely a conversation you should have before you, you know, you join forces together, whether it's marriage or de facto or whatever, that mm-hmm. that money conversation needs to at least, because a lot of people don't talk about it. They just have their view and they think the other partner is going to join the party or supply the money and then, you know, vice versa. So then you get in and it's like um, people can become quite shocked at the, different relationships we do have with money yes because it's yeah. like you come from different uh, kingdoms you know yes. <laughs> your, yes. your parents may be working for government where your spouse comes from a, a business background or a doctor's background so what they think is like the, the they always buy the best quality stuff you know and then um, my father for example uh, wanted to uh, by the second uh, best price because it always carries with the it's uh, money worth money is worth you know the, yeah yeah usually the value. one is highly overpriced yeah. is what it does. and I think it's he's true and uh, uh, my wife is um, comes from a wealthy business uh, man's background I know her father uh, is a wealthy business person so she she thinks the best stuff is always carries, you know. So, like, uh, she goes for the best. I, I, I try to go to the second best. <laughs> so, like, why do you buy the most expensive ones? And I, it has the best quality. No, 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 no. But, it, you know, if you just buy the second, you know, most uh, valuable stuff, that usually has the best quality. So, like, different different kingdom. Yeah. I, I talked, this is going back years ago, I, to, I was talking to a guy that had a fruit shop. Mm-hmm. And he said, I put oranges in like a bin type thing. He said, they're my cheap ones. Mm-hmm. And then I have oranges on this stand that you can pick from. And then I have oranges with tissue paper around them. 
And he said, they're the same oranges. But if people want to feel like they've bought the cheap ones, they get it for that price. And if people want to do it this price, you know, like, so he said, they're paying for the experience, but they're the same oranges. And I, every now and then I think, uh, you know, if I'm shopping, I think they're the same oranges, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? That was his his um, spin on it, which, you know, I was kind of like, but they think they're buying something different. He said they're buying the experience. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, we could debate that, but I got what he, I got what his principle was. Yeah, our perception of what is the best and what is the middle ground and what is the worst. Right. Um, yeah. It's funny how we, we orientate to those kind of things. Yes, and those things should be taught at uh, grade school. I agree. But uh, there are so many taboos, you know, so um, it's almost impossible that uh, to teach at school system. Because uh, teachers are the mo- uh, the least educated around money, you know, so uh, and, and so they cannot teach them, right? It's like uh, 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 English teachers in Japan, you know, uh, most of the English teachers cannot speak English. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry for kids; <laughs> they cannot learn from the teachers who don't know the material well, right? So, yeah, uh, we are like that. Our parents didn't know about money. Our brothers and sisters or, uh, you know, uh, our neighbors didn't know about money. So who can be a good teacher? Yeah, and it's a, it's a changing thing as well. You know, like how money works in the world is is, is very, it's, you know, we're seeing a lot of changes very quickly. And, you know, like, you know, if I talk to someone in their 80s, their perception of the bank is very different to, say, someone now. You know, like, so, and we... We see, we see more fees than we used to. You know, like companies are taking more fees, and 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 this, the way that we structure our bills and things like that is all changed. So they are things that we should teach people to be aware of, um, because it's hard to compare when you don't understand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In your life, what do you think? What's some of the best advice you could give people in general in the self-development range? You know, what is it that you wish that everybody knew that took you a lifetime to Mm -hmm. understand? Uh, Once again, it's a teaching of my mentor, Wahe. I said, I once asked him, what is the secret to money? He said, arigato your money. That means appreciate money coming in and going out okay so uh when money comes in next time you can say thank you to money when you spend money next time when you pay bills you can say thank you to money for staying staying with me and uh, uh, uh bye bye until uh, i meet you again but make sure you bring friends when you come back yes <laughs> so, I, w- I would like my money to bring friends back <laughs> That's what you can say, and this makes you laugh and smile, right? Yeah. So that is the attitude. And if you can do that, you should extend to arigato your life. You know, just let's start counting our blessings and small things like a, a roof above our head, you know, head and uh, hot running water and uh, uh, air conditioning if you have, you're lucky. And if you have, uh, you know, uh, transportation, or enough clothes or uh, food 
whatever you 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 think you have more than、yeah. so if you just start counting that I have more than enough you know I have more I, I have like two two cups here like I have more than enough one is enough like two is like wow luxury right yeah, so yeah. if you can just feel like wow I'm I'm impressed with my life that will be the ideal way and then、uh, when you start worrying about money. Uh, just donate some, even a, a dollar、uh, or a quarter or 10 cents to a little cup you know, in a coffee shop. So you feel like、um, a little better. So the more you give, the more you know that you have enough. That's, that's lovely. Actually, I did your course on Mind Valley a couple of years、mm-hmm. ago, <clears throat> and,、um, and I, I moved into a renovator's delight and I,、mm-hmm. I had to get a plumber. Right. And, and the plumber turned up, and,、um, and, and my financial circumstances had completely changed. And I handed him the, the money for, for the work he did in cash. And I said, Oh, here, take some of my happy money,、mm. which comes directly off your teachings. And he said, Why are you calling it happy money? And I said, Just because I'm happy, I can pay you. Oh, that's、nice. where I'm at. I'm happy, I can pay you. And he,、Beautiful. yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I always remember that, you know, like be happy that you can pay people. We ask every guest on the podcast what does humanity need to acknowledge and understand for us to evolve? So, how would you answer that question? I hope、uh, we remember we're connected、yeah. emotionally and spiritually. You know,、uh, one time I think it's a Dalai Lama、uh, who was asked about compassion. He said, Compassion is something that、uh, you, you know,、uh, some kind of thorn is stuck on your、uh, toe, left、uh, foot toe.、Uh, compassion is、uh, for your right hand to, to go and pull it. But、uh, in the modern world, we often say, like, Oh, that's his problem, not me. You know, like, <laughs> Why do I have to do that? Right. So I'm not I, bending down. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, or, like,、uh, for example, it's, if it's a couple, at the end of the day, it's not like it doesn't go like this. The right hand is complaining. Hey, left hand, lefty, you know, <laughs> I did all the work. What did you do? You know, you don't blame each other. So, at the end of the day, we feel rested. But unfortunately, we, feel, we think the right hand. Is working harder, so I deserve a better pay. And the left hand didn't work as much, so he, sh- he or she should not get food. That's unfortunately the world we're in. So, but if, so if we know that, remember, we're connected, we can treat our brothers, brothers and sisters a、um, little bit better and uh, uh, remember our, our compassion and generosity to each other. Yeah, I think. Compassion is so important. Like, it's it's because if we devalue it, we become hardened and we we narrow our view. We we can't see the bigger picture. And as soon as we narrow our view, we become more greedy, we become more selfish. And so, compassion lets us expand our awareness naturally.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love it. All right. Well, I think it's time to play Flip the Book. So, are you、okay. happy to play? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, we have three books. I know you can't see them. So, would you like book one, two, or three?、Uh, book three, please. 
book three. Okay, so that is the Spirituality, Evolution and Awakened Consciousness book. So you've got pages one to 188. Mm. Okay, the number came in to me is 92. 92. This is fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a mystery, isn't it? So we've got 11 paragraphs to pick from. Mm. Mm. So eighth paragraph. When indifference reigns, freedom is oppressed for both the perpetrator and the victim. Mm. So this actually comes under the heading of significance. The chapter's about significance. And it goes into... um, I'm just going to lead you in a little bit better. So it's it's because it's a dot point. The top dot point says, when we feel joyful, freedom is felt and becomes an invitation for others to join in. When we feel, when we are miserable, we lose our awareness of our freedom of choice. When we are kind, freedom is felt and becomes acknowledgement of each other's true value. When we are cruel, freedom is lost and we become a slave to the ramifications of our cruelty. When we express our unconditional love, freedom is felt and encouraged. And the dot point you got was when indifference reigns, freedom is oppressed for both the perpetrator and victim. How do you feel about those dot points? Interesting, because that is exactly what we talked about like a few minutes ago. Yeah. So if we are kind, we can um, remember the freedom, right? Yeah. So I think if uh, the kindness is a key to wake us up to the new level of freedom and the new level of abundance and choices. So um, I think... I need to be more awakened in terms of, you know, being more generous, more kind. And so you've given me so much inspiration, you know, during the, the past hour or so. Yeah, no, thank you. And I think freedom, we, we discount the reality of how important freedom is within ourselves. Mm-hmm. So can I just do another one? I just want to do a soul read for you, and it's about your soul. So can you give me a number between 100 and sorry, oh, 185 to 215. Uh, 208. 208. Oh, you'll love this. One, two, three, four, five. You've got five paragraphs to pick from. Uh, three. This is so up your alley because this is right. um, the core essence. So the core essence is something that is within your soul. It is natural to you, right? And yours has come up with peace. Mm. Peace stems from an acceptance of being a naturally significant, unique, independent, individual soul from our origins. So whatever you want to refer to from our origins. It is the recognition that you are an eternal soul who can change what you consider success. Being kind, caring and nurturing yourself and others becomes your assessment of success. Living a life that you feel the truth of your soul resonating with can become how you define success. Peace is the result of knowing what feeds your soul and electing to prioritise your soul 
being fed. Peace is experienced as you realise that struggling to comprehend the truth of who you are and to come to terms with what you have experienced does not diminish the value of your soul. Struggling means you have not discovered truth or peace yet, but it does not mean you will not. So peace is very important to you. Yes, it is indeed. So thank you so much. Uh, this is such a um, soul nourishment. Yeah. Yeah, me. I think that sums up a lot about what you are conveying to other people mm-hmm. and, and your, you, you know, how you're explaining how to self-develop is through understanding what is success for you and using your kindness and generosity and um, love and freedom. Yes, create peace. Yeah. yeah, it's what a beautiful way to end this great conversation. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Lorraine. Uh, you're so kind and generous, and that's why you're popular. And I, I hope um, you just stay so abundant. So I'm sending all my happy, love, uh, powerful, happy, happy money energy to you. Oh. Thank you. I'm going to receive that greatly. <laughs> Thank all the, you. All the viewers and listeners, I'm just sending you happy mind energy. 